This planet is not terra firma. It's a delicate flower and it must be cared for. It's lonely, it's small, it's isolated, and there is no resupply. And we are mistreating it. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. Your hosts here in England, Chris Parley and Matthew Russell. Scott Carpenter, yeah. he's an astronaut that doesn't get talked about nearly half enough. I fully agree. I, well, the reason why I mentioned Scott Carpenter, 1962, 23rd of May, Project Mercury with Scott Carpenter orbiting the Earth three times in Aurora 7 space capsule. Well in, lads. Second American ever to orbit the Earth. Mm. After, of course, the great John Glenn. Oh, we love John. So fourth American in space, second to orbit. There's a, I think he's got a few sort of notable things. After that, he never went to space again because he had a, a couple of mishaps, like a motorcycle accident and then some horrible, some nerve damage he got in his arm that meant he lost the use of his, of one of his arms so he couldn't go back to space. But he became a aquanaut. Mm. But I think the most famous thing he ever said was, Godspeed, John Glenn. Legendary. And that makes its way onto loads of tracks. In fact, weren't we talking about Nick Cave earlier on? Yes, we were. Just before we started recording, we were talking about Nick Cave. Yeah. I got a feeling that that Godspeed, John Glenn, actually appears on a Nick Cave track. I can't. Oh, that might be one for the spot. Catch that. What musical artists have Scott Carpenter's? Godspeed, John Glenn. Be good if it was the Carpenters. <laughs> it would be good if it was the Carpenters. <laughs> or Glenn Medeiros. Or Scott. <laughs> oh, what, who's, the, who's the famous Scott who does those albums that... that... Scott Walker. Scott Walker, Amazing, there we go. Amazing legend. <laughs> like, absolutely incredible. Oh. But yeah, it could also be Godspeed, you Black Emperor. Did they use Scott Carpenter? Did they? It's also a very sad day because 1543 marks the death of old copper knickers. Was it anything serious? Um, well, I think he was quite old. Seventy. He was 70 years old, oh. I think. Not bad for the time. Not bad for the time, no. Copernicus died 1543 on this very day. This very, very day. You know what it is, Chris. You know what this episode is. Yeah. I think your sort of seat as the co-host always lands on... Space news. Space news. Space news. Space news. Space news. Yes. I love space news. It's my favourite type. It's definitely. I guess quite a lot's happened. So I thought I'd start with America first, get it out of the way, because obviously most space news happens in America, doesn't yeah. it, really? Yeah, they've got it all, haven't they? Well, I, I thought we'd start with uh, Booster B1058. Cracker. Quite, quite an achievement, I think. Yeah. And obviously, we've been having loads and loads of Falcon 9 launches. But this this booster is actually quite incredible. It's the eighth time it's flown. It's the fourth time it's flown in, you know, since January. So so in spring, mm. it's, it's sprung up into the air four times, which is got to be almost a record. I can't think of anything else that that has managed to do that. But it's the first of the boosters that was painted with the NASA worm logo. Ah, uh, and do you know why it was painted with the NASA worm logo? Because it looks a bit like a worm. <laughs> 
No, that's why it's called the NASA Worm logo. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, the, the Falcon 9 booster looks like a worm. Yeah, kind of, if you squint. Yeah, I guess from a... I mean, it actually looks more like a, a phallus. Oof. Which is, which is what's so worrying about Bezos and Musk showing off their phalluses, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean, there's it's, so it's much bit, going on there, isn't there? <laughs> there is so much. There's a lot going on psychologically with those two. Yeah. <laughs> so why? Um, why? Talking of, but, but, but why? Well, two people that aren't psychologically damaged, and that's Doug Hurley and Bob Benkin when they went to the International Space Station, of course, right. on that brilliant first crewed flight test of Dragon 2. Mm. And that was this same booster. So that booster, back on the 30th of May, 2020, which is almost a year ago, can you believe that? Madness. Um, almost a year ago. It, uh, that was the first time this booster was used, which is really cool. So it's already an historic booster because it's the first time, you know, anything has flown up from, from America since the space shuttle. Yeah. And it's the first commercial crew orbital space flight as well so you know so that booster is already a piece of history yeah it's racking it's racking up the accolades isn't it it's like basically yeah yeah it'll become like you know i have a little list on the side of it this is what i did which should be this is what i did yeah (laughs) it's like it's it's nuts and then 51 days later i it launched i think it's a south korean satellite anasis 2 then 78 days after that it launched 60 starlinks Hmm. Then another really good one is it did a Dragon resupply mission, which I think was the first of the new Dragon um, cargo ships um, on the 6th of December, 60 days after its the previous launch. So it did that one. Then it did Transporter 1, which was loads and loads of satellites. Yeah. Then it did, 46 days after that, did another 60 Starlinks. Then... 27 days after that, so less than a month, hmm. they turned it round and it launched another 60. And then 38 days after that, it launched another 52 this week. Amazing. That is unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's just what it's done in such a short space of time is incredible. So that one booster has, has launched hundreds and hundreds of satellites and a cargo vessel to the ISS and the first crewed space flight by a private company and about 3000 starlinks <laughs> it kind of does show that spacex are are absolutely kicking ass yeah completely i think there's trouble brewing with spacex because spacex is the one company that elon musk it's his child it's his brainchild yeah but i think elon musk is about to just screw up massively i think he's won't be able to raise ridiculous amounts of money soon mm. Ever since his Bitcoin fiasco. Well, that was pretty crazy, wasn't it? I mean, I've got a very, very small amount of um, of crypto, and a couple of weeks ago, I was looking at like, wow, I like tripled what I put in. I didn't put a lot in, but I tripled, and mm. now it's just sunk again. So it's just like <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's just gambling, isn't it? And and but but it doesn't help when you've got when you've got like this maverick at the other end. But mm. yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how that all pans out. It could end up that Musk ends up getting kicked off his, his own, you know, out of his own companies and stuff like oh, that. I don't know. It's happened I don't before, know, you know, it happened to yeah, Steve Jobs. Exactly. It can happen to him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, Atlas V has flown as well, but here's, here's another cool one that uh, I guess us Brits should be pretty chuffed about. 
is a Scott. A Scott has flown to space this week. Hey. You'd think that would be bigger news over here, wouldn't you? Yeah, that a, I know. A Scott has gone That's to space. like uh, uh, the, the well, is that will be the third British astronaut essentially? Well, not really. No. Not really. Nah, because he's not. He's not flying up as a Brit. Mm, I don't know really. Well, it, I don't know how it. Well, I, like, I remember Helen, Helen Sharman Sh- was was civilian, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. And then and then, but there's you know, but there's people like Mike Fole, and you know, quite a few other quite a few others that were born in Britain who consider themselves uh, British. Garriott and a few others. Mm. Um, so there's been quite a few Brits. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Tim Peake's the only one who's flown under the British flag. Yeah. But when I was talking to Helen Sharman, she was she she was a little bit snooty about these being called um, astronauts. Not snooty, but rightly so. That you know, the, the, these are suborbital flights, oh. and, and, it, and they're kind of it's only because they're going over fifty miles, eighty kilometers. Whereas a lot of people consider the Kármán line a hundred kilometers as the as the place you've got to get to to get to space. But also, I think, really, you've got to go orbital to be considered a proper astronaut. Yeah. Do you know what? I kind of agree. I kind of agree on that yeah. one. Because where's the, where do you draw the line? I mean, I was on, on an aeroplane on Friday. <laughs> that definitely doesn't go into space, Chris. <laughs> I just want to point that out. <laughs> I don't think anyone in their right mind is going to come round your house and give you your your astronaut wings any day soon. Well, I'm going to wait I'm and sorry. see if it happens. I don't want you to be quality of like quashing my dreams. Well, I'm quashing it now. <laughs> um, no, uh, but anyway, Dave McKay, Scott, with Frederick Sturko, they flew Spaceship Two VSS Unity, um, and this a lot was riding on this, I think, mm. and it was very successful. They flew. Uh, it's the first time that that has been successful out of Spaceport America as as well. So the first time they tried to fly out of Spaceport America uh, back in December, it, it it the the engine didn't fire correctly. It's a big leap forward for commercial spaceflight, I think. Well, yeah, because the next few are going to be really, really interesting as well. But the thing is, I mean, it's so behind schedule, this whole this whole endeavour, because they actually started manufacturing Unity back in 2012. So it's almost a decade since they started building this thing and they still haven't achieved commercial spaceflight. <sighs> Uh, and, and the very first of these v- uh, Spaceship 2s, the VSS Enterprise, of course, had a powered flight in 2013. And this is when everyone thought, oh, no, we, we're close. We're close now to these commercial space flights. But, of course, that was destroyed, killing a pilot and in- severely injuring another one yeah. in 2014. Yeah. Uh, and then Unity rolled out in 2016 and... Um, I think it reached its first time it went into space was in December 2018. It's taking an unbelievable long time. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and of course, the same thing's happening over with uh, Jeff Bezos and, and Blue Origin's New Shepard as well, which of course is its absolute rival in terms of suborbital commercial space flights. But going toward, like, looking at the money, I mean, like, what, obviously, uh, Musk and, and, and Bezos are, are, are light years away in terms of net worth than than Branson and the Virgin Corporation, aren't they? Yeah. 
I don't, uh, do you know what? I don't know. The thing, the, the thing about that, yeah, I mean, I think Bezos is genuinely unfeasibly rich. Let's face it, Amazon probably isn't overvalued. No. And, and I don't think Virgin is overvalued as well. If you look at how many businesses Virgin runs, and they're all successful, profitable businesses, yeah. you know. So old Sir Dickie B, you know, he's, he's doing all right, whereas Musk's net worth is down to the ludicrously high Tesla share price. I mean, this is what I was sort of saying earlier on. Mm. And you remember the film The Big Short or whatever it was? Cracking film, yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Cracking film. Well, one, the, the, the character in that that bets against the housing market, shorts the housing market. Yeah. Guess, guess who's shorting Tesla's shares right now? Go on. The same guy. Really? In other words, you know, <laughs> yeah. So it's like... <laughs> Tesla, I mean, it it seems remarkably overvalued, which means, of course, Musk's, you know, what, you know, this thing about him being the richest man on the planet is based on that Tesla share price. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, you know, if it goes goes south, if it starts crashing, then suddenly he's not the wealthiest man in the world. So, you know, old Sir Dickie B, he's got 600 paying customers queued up. Yeah. For this for this ride into space, so you know, I, I yeah, I mean, the, the the business model for this looks a little bit kind of close to the bone, yeah. But we'll see, we'll see how it we see, see how it all sort of sketches out. And really. he uh, he started it all I, started in a record shop on Bolt Street in Liverpool. How amazing is that? Yeah, that is that is pretty incredible. I actually went to see him talk. Pretty- it was a, a business festival here back in 2012, actually, and the, and the uh, went to the, the arena and he he did a a sort of Q and A with this uh, like an in conversation, and it was just fascinating. And I didn't know that he was just like yeah, he was like it all started here. I had a a record shop on Bold Street, and that's where mm. it began. <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, well, I used to work for. I used to work. For, I used to lay wooden floors, and and a couple of a couple of my work colleagues and the boss would uh, put in Richard Branson's, and he would come home and give them a crate of beer every day, <laughs> and was terribly nice. You know what he's like. <laughs> the floor was all wonky. <laughs> <laughs> floor was massively wonky. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so get but get this so. Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of the White Knight 2, which is that massive aircraft, and she's called Eve. Mm. So that that was looking a little bit like it wasn't ready for this flight, which would have, you know, been really annoying. But uh, no, they, they it, it flew, got into space, and because as, as long as the data looks good, it looks like they'll get their license to do this you know, crewed flights out of Spaceport America in down in New Mexico. Uh, and so that that's pretty important. So hopefully the data's all really good. And so the next flight will mean that, that uh, joining the pilots will be Virgin Galactic employees. Hmm. <laughs> but the really cool thing about this is they are chosen, like, internally, and no one knows who they are yet. So... There must be some really excited Virgin Galactic employees who know that they they, they potentially are on this list of people that get to go <laughs> next next flight, which is this year. It's incredible. And then, and then hopefully before the end of the year, there'll be a a, a a flight after that 
where Dickie B himself is going to fly. And obviously, once he's done that, obviously everyone's going to think, wow, yeah, this this must be safe. Mm. You know, so Richard Branson going up on that rocket plane is going to be big news, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, you know, when you're talking about the Virgin Galactic employees, I don't know if anyone else is well listening to this, but I'm totally picturing cabin crew from Virgin Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it always reminds me of Jamie, who reckoned he applied to be like a Virgin Galactic cabin boy, and and he'd be perfect because you know he doesn't waste too much fuel because of his small snake hips stature. Yeah, he'd be perfect. So you know, quite a big news story by the end of the year if if old old Richard Branson's going up on his rocket ship, which is more than Musk and Bezos have done, to be fair. Definitely. But he's Bezos in a not like sort of he's ploughing his, his furrow, isn't he? And that's the thing, you know, SpaceX have got the commercial, you know, uh, payload deliveries and uh, and you know, concentrating ISS. He he's going in this in this sort of more you know, like the leisure <laughs> side of things, and yeah, you know, oh yeah, yeah, no, he, he might end up with a with with a monopoly for a while there with that, but it's just where Blue Origin is well, going to fit into it. Well, I think that I think Blue Origin are actually going to be slightly ahead in this race. Yeah, but I think it all comes to down to what what you find more exciting: sitting on top of a rocket and then sort of free falling back down, or being on this controlled aircraft flight. Now, there's something I... I, You know, personally, I think the Virgin Galactic is more exciting. Mm. What do you think? I am... I would be utterly terrified to do either of them. That's one of the ironic things. It's like that. I'm not sure if I actually want to go to space. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'd be so excited to do either of those, to be honest. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until, you know... Branson concentrates on the balloons again. I'll go up in one of them. <laughs> well, I mean, Branson himself almost lost his life in one of his balloons. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in in some ways, balloons are more dangerous because you're completely at the whim of the wind. Good point, good point. But, you know, if you want to do a, yeah. a, a bomb gardener and just jump out, then, you know, you're all good. I, do you know what I think about that so much? That is one of the most insane things I have ever witnessed in my life. And we watched it live as well. Can you believe? I can't believe we all watched this guy jump out and then just starts to like oscillate wildly. Oh my god! We yeah, like, that, that bit dead. was like, I'd, yeah, well, I was just thinking, there's no way you can get out of that. It's exactly the same. I was like, what? What's he gonna do? Yeah. And then yeah, he somehow manages to. Have you ever seen the documentary? Yes, that, yeah, it's that? amazing yes. and fascinating, and he is an absolute superhero. Like, yeah, amazing. It's, well. He seems to bottle it, doesn't it? It's like as soon as they put him in a spacesuit, it's like suit. It's like no, I can't do it. It's like too claustrophobic in his spacesuit. They <laughs> seem to bottle it a little bit, yeah. Because then the blo- one of the guys from Google beat him, like went much higher, yeah. We'd, and and didn't he, did, barely bothered filming it. It was like, oh, I'm just going to go higher, <laughs> <laughs> and then jumped out. What was his name? I don't know. I didn't know about it. it was like, it's just like yeah, he didn't yeah, barely exactly. bother filming I mean, it. It's just like, where are you going, love? Uh, just, going, just going out for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> just going out. Um, uh, Alan, Alan Eustace. Okay. Is that it? He, he went out and just went, oh, I'm just going to jump higher. I'm just going to go from the str- <laughs> jump out of the stratosphere. Job done. Yeah. And, and yeah, no, no one ever talks about uh, Alan Eustace. 
but everyone talks about Baumgarten. But did, did they have the? I mean, Red Bull's PR is just insane. Like that. That's probably the big. Well, you would have thought that Google's PR is quite good. That's a good point, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what the largest advertising agency in the world? You literally have to use Google to find out about Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we've definitely gone off topic. Yes, but um, uh, yeah, <laughs> but it was fun. It was. It was a nice was. little diversion. Yeah. Uh, uh, also in American space news, of course, is President Biden has requested a 6.3% increase in NASA's budget. Nice one, Joey. Well in, Joey. Uh, 1.5 billion more than 2021. That's uh, that's 24.7 billion mm. he's asking for. Mm. When you think about it, it's not that much because Atlas V flew this week and the primary payload, which was a military geo satellite, that's worth over a billion yeah. on its own. So, you know, it's like it's only 24 of those satellites for the entire NASA space budget. And this is what they've got to do out of it. They've got to do Artemis. So that's going to be, that's going to, you know, for the year, that's going to cost almost $7 billion. Then robotic exploration, so that's your things like curiosity and perseverance and all that lot. Then you've got space technology, like all the development of space technology. That's one point four billion. Then you've got aeronautics, which is NASA, you know, working on projects like high efficient next generation airliners Ooh. and supersonic airliners and stuff like that. Well, that's that's almost bag. a billion. Lovely, love to see some of them. There's been a really good increase, thank God, for climate science. Um, 2.3 billion. That's an increase of 250 million. STEM education, that, that gets an increase of 20 million. So those were the two that were under threat from, from Trump, who didn't really believe in either of those two concepts. Mm. And research on the ISS is still 3 billion. Oof. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's mainly, so, that, that's linked to climate, though, isn't it? So um... I did read this week an article that was kind of having a go at the Europeans about how their human exploration and on the ISS had become a kind of almost PR stunt with uh, Thomas Pesquet doing things like launching Coldplay's new single and stuff like that. They were sort of saying, you know, it's just, you know, it's ESA's human exploration has become more of a PR stunt, which I think is very unfair. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to be careful, haven't you, that, that, if you're spending that amount of money that the astronauts on the ISS are genuinely doing proper research. Yeah. Personally, though, I think uh, that's where Coldplay's latest single belongs. <laughs> in space. <laughs> you should have beamed it the other way. Sorry, Chris. I don't mean that, Mr. Martin. I don't mean it. It's fashionable to have a go about Coldplay these days. Isn't oh, it? well, it's been fashionable for about 15 years, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> poor, poor old Coldplay. We yeah, don't off topic to again, to but watched uh, Eurovision last night and I, I've, I'm, I've definitely oh. mellowed in my old age. I love watching Eurovision. I think it's fab. <laughs> I've always loved watching Eurovision. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah. I wonder if the Americans watch Eurovision. They, they there was a the thing on Twitter about people explaining to America what Eurovision is because they don't <laughs> can they kind of don't get it and they don't get the the silliness and the kitsch and the sort of reverence and stuff like that. So they're just kind of a little bit like, what the hell is this? You know. <laughs> but yeah, we're sitting there playing Eurovision bingo. You know, it's just it's the funniest thing. Oh man, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of things that were notable in in Biden's budget request, yeah. and that is the acting administrator Steve Juzik made no mention of the twenty twenty four deadline, 
So basically, I'm definitely not going to be eating Eric's book. Right. <laughs> There's just no way. There's just no way it's happening in 24. No. And they also doubled down on this idea that Artemis not only will deliver the first woman on the moon, but the first person of colour. That's what they said. And I spell that C-O-L-O-R because it's not a phrase used in Britain at all, is it? That P- P- P-O-C? Yeah, so uh, Bridenstine was very happy with Biden's budget and and really wanted to make sure that the Senate confirmed his successor, Bill Nelson, as quickly as possible. Mm. The only thing is, of course, this is a budget request, and this this I, I, I get very excited every every time this happens, and then I realise, well, hang on a second, it's just a request. Yeah, it's got to go through, get through a, a whole, It's got to go through a whole heap of people to sort of approve it and get it through and there's bound to be some shenanigans and horse trading filibusters yeah and all that kind of caper going on so it's way too early to see if they'll get it but what it does show is that biden is behind nasa's endeavor to get to to the moon i think that is the big news isn't it because we just didn't quite know yet you know, we knew that Trump was really pro space, but we didn't know where Biden, especially with him concentrating on the on the environment and stuff. It it was it was a knife edge, but it, yeah, it's a it's a yeah. good result. I, it's funny, isn't it? I th- I think Trump, for all his faults, of which there are many, <laughs> yeah. it looks at the moment that he's sped up the trip to the moon. Yeah, no, it wasn't happening until twenty twenty eight before Trump, and it may. Happened before then. I'd put my five bucks on it still being twenty twenty eight. You put all your you put all your bitcoins. Yeah, twenty twenty eight. I could have put my zero point <laughs> well, zero well, zero because they're going to be worth Bitcoin. they're going to be worth nothing <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you really shouldn't have them anyway because of the environmental impact that they're having. Chris, get rid of them immediately. I have zero point zero zero five bitcoins. <laughs> That's probably some poor polar bear swimming around trying to find an iceberg. Oh, that it can't don't anymore. say that. Don't say yeah, that. I'm just saying that. I'm just telling you, Chris. That that's how much that that's what that cost. <laughs> no, but uh, that's mean. Yeah, that's mean. I don't mind. It's, it's mad. I don't even understand it all. I just I just went on my Revolut, you know, the banking app, and it was like, do you want some crypto? Mm. I was like, yeah, all right. And I bought some Bitcoin, some Ether, Ether, and some um, some XLM. And XLM's the one that's worth like twenty p <laughs> for one. <laughs> that's the one i'm yeah, banking on if that yeah. gets to the height of bitcoin then, then i'll be a, well I'll, I'll basically be starting my own space program <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah well it's a bit like me and fi yeah. there's this one that uh works on your mobile phone yeah where you mine mine it from your mobile phone and it doesn't use any battery oh i'm not hold i'm not holding my breath but, you know, like you, I might be able to start my own space program if that works out We can team up. Oh, my God. This is it. Yes, let's make a deal by 2028. I, I hope the patrons don't mind that I'm putting all their money into cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about me. <laughs> oh, do <laughs> Can't afford to run the podcast anymore because it's all crap. Um <laughs> Last bit of American news. Sierra Nevada Corporation are spinning off their space division. So we won't be talking about the S- the SNC Dream Chaser anymore, just Sierra Space hmm. Dream Chaser. Dream Chaser. Dream Chaser. I like it. So, you know, that that I think what that means is that they have 
confidence that that particular division of their company is going to grow massively. So I think they're confident in that product of the dream chaser. Dream chaser. So, yeah, that's one to watch. Fab. Shall we move to India before we get to China and their fantastic um, achievements? Yeah, but before we do, send them much love to, to India. Wow. It's a oh, wow. Yeah. tough, tough well, situation there. Unbelievably tough. And, of course, the ISRO are doing their bit, the Indian Space Research Organization, by uh, supplying oxygen. Mm. A lot of their efforts have gone towards that. So, yeah, unfortunately, it does mean that India's efforts are kind of on hold. And of course, it's it's massively important for the whole world, isn't it, that we kind of get this under control? Definitely, definitely. There will be time. There will be time for this in the future. We just need to sit tight on this one and get you know get through it. But yeah, much love to India, Brazil, all the places that are really feeling it now. Well, yeah. Well, there's. I mean, they've got some good good space news. That a couple yeah. of couple of companies, Scott Skyroot and Agnicul have both raised $11 million, mm-hmm. which which I think in Indian sort of rocket development terms is quite a lot, right? And and basically they want to start, you know, growing their companies. Now, the thing that the, the thing that's good here, I think, is that this is the sort of start of a kind of internal space race of commercial s- suppliers, which hadn't happened before in India because the ISRO were kind of the main client and and owned all the intellectual property when they were sort of spending money on various companies to help them build rockets and satellites and stuff like this. But in 2020, um, uh, the finance minister, Nimali Sitharaman, announced that, uh, that private companies could use ISRO facilities and services, right? Yeah. Uh, but before that, all the all the intellectual property would belong to the ISRO, but it doesn't anymore. So the so this means that Skyroot, Agnicor, they can go out and start investing in their own intellectual property and try and get money to come in, not just from ISRO, but from internal corporations and from maybe you know global corporations as well to help help them build up these this capability. Yeah, that's right? great. That's great. Spreading now, the net, definitely. Yeah, well, and it looks, you know, th- this is a kind of critical point because there's a it's hard to get that internal and external investment at the moment. You know, not many external companies are investing in India like they could be. Mm. But the big one is it's is labor is quite hard to get through, you know, the the skilled educated people in India, there's not enough of them. But this is the thing that I just can't get over is more than half of India's, India's population is under 25. Huh. That's incredible. It's unbelievable. So there's 600 million Indians under 25. My God. <laughs> so, you can, so that is a talent pool waiting to happen, isn't it? I mean, that that is we, – we could be talking about an, a massive explosion of thought and intellectual progress. Yeah happening in India very, very shortly. And the other thing with that is that, you know, like sort of cultural renaissance and financial booms generally Mm. follow major events like the pandemic, you know. So, you know, that's really poised, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's massively poised. And 
what's incredible is that China's population is going to be shrinking massively, and that's never a good sign for an economy, whereas India's is going to be going absolutely crazy yeah. and overtaking China quite quite shortly. Why is China's population uh, is going, is sort of going smaller? Is it because they're killing so many people? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, obviously, they had their one-child policy, but I just think it's because their middle class has grown, yeah. and that always happens. I mean, it's the same in Britain, France, everywhere. In France, they pay you to have a third kid, for goodness sake. <laughs> That's amazing. It's not great. Your your economy stagnates a little bit when, when that happens. But no, but India's got this this unbelievable resource that's just about to sort of almost come of age where you've got just – Millions, I mean, 600 million. That's incredible. That's, uh, uh, under 25 is just, in, that's just incredible, isn't yeah, it? I'm just yeah. like, oh my God. So, yeah, that, it'll be very, very interesting to, to see what happens there. So, India, I think, are going to, uh, are going to become more and more serious players in the same way that China have, you know, and China's demonstration of getting a rover onto the Mars surface, soft landing it. And now we're getting pictures of the rover wheeling off the platform and down onto the surface on Mars. Mm. You've got to say that that is absolutely incredible that China have done all that in such a short amount of time. Definitely, and so they, yeah. they really are like, no, that, that kind of just says, right, we really are a massive space power now. Yeah. It's a nightmare because Europe are falling maybe a little bit behind there because we're, we're having a few issues like, the fact that we didn't get our rover off the ExoMars 2020 mission didn't happen, so it's ended up being ExoMars 2022. Mm. And they're still messing around with the parachute. So the good news is that they've been working super hard at NASA's JPL uh, facility um, in California, uh, testing parachutes, and they look like they're sort of getting there with them. (laughs) I mean, there's some really good pictures and footage of the parachute tests and just how difficult it is because these the parachutes for for the Roslyn Franklin rover are insane. They're just ridiculous. 15-meter-wide first-stage parachute (laughs) and then a a 35-meter-wide second-stage parachute. I had no idea. I had no idea they were so enormous. Yeah, no, these things are absolutely gargantuan. Wow. And I think that, I mean, that's one of the reasons why they've been having all these problems. So, so, you know, so there's like a parachute, a little drogue parachute comes out that pulls that 15-metre-wide parachute out. But that's at, you know, supersonic speeds. Mm. So the way that it unfurls and the way that it comes out of its bag and all that has to be like as frictionless as possible so that there's no damage to to the cables. Like any kind of heating... Uh, on the on the fabric will will weaken it and then it won't work properly <laughs> and and it's and then as soon as it gets down to to subsonic speeds you get this massive 35 meter wide parachute coming out and you just go oh my god so yeah they're they're still having prop they're, they're still not having problems it looks like they've solved the problems that they were played with and you've got these two competing parachute companies it looks like airborne systems and ares cosmos who are so they're, they're both sort of neck and neck with these parachutes um 
and that, but of course you've got the high altitude drop test now in June, which would be really interesting. So that's going to happen in Sweden. Sweden, ah, yeah, Sweden, Sweden. Uh, high altitude balloon uh, drop test. So maybe you can go up in one of those. Yeah, yeah, Samuel. That's what you you, you want to do. And that's from 29 kilometers high. That's that's pretty high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they're going to drop them. They're going to test them. Of course, they're really hard to do uh, these high altitude drop tests because obviously the, the weather conditions have to be exactly right, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so these ground testing facilities that JPL have sort of helped European Space Agency out with have been absolutely critical to getting this back on on track and even then it seems like we're it's quite stressful how they're even this seems like it's <laughs> it's that it's only just going to be ready in time because mm. they're still going to be testing in 2022 when we're supposed to be launching <laughs> to mars tiktok <laughs> it's just like uh <laughs> yeah so it's like oh no <laughs> um so yeah and then of course they won't see them opening for real when they arrive at Mars until 2023. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it's 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 really cool. I mean and so obviously so many people are involved in that, including a uh, an Oxford company called Vorticity have been involved with helping get these parachutes working and and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, so yeah, lovely. Yeah, so places all over the shop. All Camp, over the shop. Turin, Apria, very very hard thing to do hmm. let's just hope that they get these parachutes sorted and that they're all working properly i have every faith in them it makes me think that they really were actually probably nowhere near ready for that 2020 launch window no chance if they're only doing that now but yeah again <laughs> we've got to we've got to bear in mind that it's been uh, quite the quite the 12 months so you know, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I know, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the, the, I mean, the COVID was definitely the nail in the coffin on on that on that um, 2020 launch window. But I, I don't think it, even with even without COVID, that kind of says to me that they weren't they weren't ready. They, they would have never have had time to do all those tests and turn it around in time. Yeah, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing properly. That's what me nan always It is said. worth doing. Well it's, de- well, it's definitely not. It's definitely not worth building the Rosalind Franklin o- only for it to smash into the surface of Mars exactly. because you couldn't be bothered to test the parachutes properly. So, yeah, I guess that that's it. It's you've just got to make sure it works. And you think, God, the effort that goes into just the parachutes, <laughs> like. You know, this is years and years and years of effort and and multinational companies, ESA and NASA, scratching their heads to get this working. Yeah, yeah. Get this. There's an enormous iceberg that's just crunched off the western side of the Ron Ice Shelf. Uh-oh. Spotted by the British Antarctica Survey. And so the images come from Copernicus Sentinel-1. And guess how big this iceberg is? Go on. <laughs> 170 kilometres in length <laughs> and 25 kilometres wide. Oh, my so it's, goodness. It's it's quite a bit bigger than Mallorca. Oh, I love Mallorca. Yeah. Oh, God, Mallorca's a beautiful it's place. Gorgeous. Apart from Magaluf, obviously. Well, it's, yeah, I don't go anywhere rough. near there. But, no chance. <laughs> but, yeah, Mallorca, what a great place. But, but imagine that. So that thing's now currently the largest iceberg in the world and it's cut adrift and it's and it's out there where's it heading Ooh. 
don't know, Liverpool, I think. <laughs> go, go cr- 25 kilometres <laughs> wide, I don't think that's going to get down the Mersey. It's not even going to get down the Bristol Channel. No. <laughs> Although that would be epic if, like, an iceberg came, just got wedged in the Bristol Channel, I could walk over to Wales. Yeah. That'd be amazing. With a polar bear on it saying, <laughs> don't use crypto. But then that wouldn't happen because the polar bear's <laughs> not from there. It would pe- be a penguin, wouldn't it? It would be an emperor penguin saying, stop using crypto. Can you get take little trips to it and have a little sort of walk around on it and stuff like that? That'd be great. I'd imagine it's quite quite hard to actually get on a iceberg, though, isn't it? Probably, yeah, yeah. But you could, yeah, you could helicopter it. Yeah, Lithuania. Congratulations, Lithuania. One of my as or as regular listeners know, one of my favourite countries. Vilnius being one of my favourite cities. Yeah, um, they've become an associate member of ESA. Ah, well, so well done. And as a result, and as a result, it means you've got a little bit more time to apply to be an astronaut. Have we got any um, prospective astronauts in our listenership? I hope so. Yeah. They must be. 18th of June. So get your application in. I might try it myself. Give it a whirl. I think I'm on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm on the cusp of being able to do it. I think you're not allowed to apply if you're, if you're over 50. I'm not going to apply, as previously mentioned. <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're, because you're a wimp. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I'm a 42-year-old wimp. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we, should, we should quickly mention um, uh, New Zealand news. Right, yeah, go ahead. That the, elect- that the electron has failed. Which was really disappointing. Twentieth electron launch, unfortunately, yeah, it, it, the second stage just span out of control, ah. some kind of anomaly, and uh, lost the two black sky global satellites that it was carrying, which is obviously a real pity for everyone involved. Mm. But they did recover the booster that safely parachuted down in the ocean. Well, that's so a plus. That is, there's so a plus, but. That's that's bad. Yeah. They've had two failures in a year, so that's not that's not good for them. Um but hey, you know, they're still a long way ahead of their competition in terms of small rocket launching. Definitely keep your keep it's your chin hard, up there, New Zealand. Keep hard, your chin up. It's a hard, hard game, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. This, this rocket this rocket science. Um this week, this week, uh um, not so much in the UK. You'll be able to go out and see the uh, Blood Red Moon Ooh. or a, a Blood Red Moon because, of course, it's a lunar eclipse. Wow. When are we, so, what, so are we not going to be able to see it here because the weather's appalling? No, well, well, almost certainly that, yes, but but no, it's 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 it, we're not really in the right latitude to see it. Ah. So it's much better if you're over in America and uh, parts of East Asia. But you might be able to see a little bit of it at 12.15 a.m. on 26th of May. Um, you might be able to go out and see it. Okay. And, and it's and it will be live streamed on YouTube. Ah, just watch that. But what – there was a really good article in, um, in Forbes, actually, um, about what it would look like from the moon watching that event. Hmm. And the cool thing, of course, is that that red colour comes from the fact that if you were standing on the moon, you'd essentially see all the sunsets around Earth. Hmm. So obviously the, the sun goes behind the Earth and the Earth completely blocks it out, but the 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 sun's the, ray, the rays of light from the sun would get bent round 
through the atmosphere. So you see the sunsets, and it's the color of those sunsets all the way around the that would circle the Earth mm. is what makes the moon look red. Beautiful. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But it's it, but it gets freezing cold on the moon as well. Yeah, like as in the temperature drop is is like intense. In in the same way on Earth, when you see a solar eclipse, um, it actually gets pretty cold mm. pretty quickly. Yeah. But imagine that like loads worse on the uh, <laughs> on the moon. Yeah, it's and already a bit chilly, isn't it? So- it's already a bit chilly, but but because there's no atmosphere, that nothing's holding the heat, so the temperature drops like very very quickly and 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 quite substantially. And of course, you've got no solar power, so that if you don't if if you've got no batteries, you can't keep yourself warm. So you're so it's actually quite it's quite dangerous for certain bits of equipment to be out in a solar eclipse when you're on the moon. It's not a friendly place, space really is it? Space is absolutely brutal. It really is. <laughs> it's like you do one thing wrong and you're done for, basically. Yeah. Oh, we've got to worry about on Earth. It, There's a that, massive iceberg, you know, floating into us. You go out there. Whew. Iceberg. You'd be wishing for an iceberg, I tell you. Yeah. Be yeah. Well, there's a lot of gin and tonics, isn't there, in that iceberg? Oof. Yes, please. I thought I'd finish on a tardigrade story. I love tardigrades. They're one of my favourite things I in the world. I love tardigrades. I love, love tardigrades. So, yes, I saw a very good article, sciencemag.org via Nature. And, um, you, you know, in 2019, my favourite mission, the one that I that I, that I was saying, this is, this is the best mission of the year. Yeah was the Bereshit, the Bereshit Israeli attempt to land on the moon. Yeah. And they almost did it, but they crashed into the moon. And then it turned out, quite controversially, that they were carrying tardigrades that they told no one about. Uh Uh-oh. And then everyone went, what the hell? And so they were carrying tardigrades, and everyone was like, oh, well, now it's crashed on, on the moon. Tardigrades are so tough. That now you've you've gone and you've gone and you know contaminated the moon with tardigrades. You colonised this researcher, PhD student at Queen Mary University of London, Alejandra Traspas. She was very curious and wanted to see if they were still alive. So uh, Traspas and her supervisor, Mark Birchall, from the University of Kent, they sort of looked into it and and they got they got. They fed 20 tardigrades up with their moss and mineral water, you know, fed them all up and then put them into hibernation, which is this this weird state that tardigrades can go into Mm. that basically makes them this ridiculously hardy animal that can survive space and nuclear bombs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they froze them. And they stuck them in nylon bullets, <laughs> and uh, and and started firing them at increasing speeds using this two-stage light gas gun, which is like a, some kind of a like NASA ridiculous gun that can fire at insane speeds. Yeah, shooting the bullets into sand. Right, shooting these nylon bullets full of tardigrades into sand to see if they could survive these impacts. Yeah. 
and they found they could survive impacts up to 900 metres a second. <laughs> so that's, they, could, they could survive an impact at 3,000 kilometres an hour. <laughs> like uh, so and, and, a, and a shock pressure of 1.14 gigapascals. And then uh, and <laughs> Traspas said, above those speeds, they just mush, <laughs> which, which is not really surprising, is it? I am a little and, bit and they, I'm a little bit disappointed that they are actually mortal. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, this is incredible. So, but but um, so the conclusion of the study is that the Bereshit would have hit the moon at a similar kind of impact speed. However, because it was in a metal frame, the shock wave would have been very much above this 1.14 gigapascals. Hmm. So they determined that none of the tardigrades would have survived, that they definitely all died, right? Now, some people instantly jumped on this, including Charles Cockle of University of Edinburgh and said... What this paper is showing is that complex multicellular animals cannot be easily transferred. In other words, Earth is a biogeographical island with respect to animals. They're trapped like a flightless bird on an island. (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) It sounds like he was shouting at the barman in his local. (laughs) Yeah, well, he's obviously... Very annoyed with the whole idea of panspermia. Yeah. Uh, but Traspas, Traspas disagreed and said it's that, that panspermia is obviously hard, mm. but it's not impossible. And that, that meteorites hit the Earth at speeds of around 11 kilometres a second, which is obviously much faster, and eight kilometres per second. So it's highly unlikely that tardigrades would survive but they, uh, she says, parts of the meteorite impacting Earth on Mars would experience lower shock pressures that a tardigrade could live through. Hmm. So it might be, you know, obviously most of the rock is going to get this massive uh, impact pressure, but some bits might not, and you might therefore have some of the tardigrades survive their journey, and uh, which means, which so it doesn't, out, it can, it doesn't rule out panspermia as a way of say, you know, a meteorite hitting Earth, chucking up a bunch of rocks with tardigrades clinging on for their dear life and them landing on the moon or landing on various other bodies in the solar system. Mm. So there is a still a chance, despite this, despite this study, that you can have panspermia, that, that, yeah. that microbes could survive being blasted around the solar system by various impacts. So, you know, the, the the case isn't it's still not panspermia case closed. No. It's panspermia doesn't look as likely again, but it's not it's still not beyond the realms of possibility. I want to see what there else we can do with tardigrades. <laughs> Well, I mean, the poor buggers—they've been—they've been shot out, <laughs> shot as bullets, <laughs> dehydrated, put in, put radiated, put into space. Oh my God! What's I mean, next? they're going to play them the new Coldplay single. <laughs> oh, and they got played the new Coldplay single. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
How hard can life be? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, good for tardigrades. Love Little it. Little moss piglets. Oh. Sweet. Great. They, des- they deserve to be. They deserve to be the geek's favourite animal, which they most certainly are, aren't they? Oh, I absolutely love them. I, I, they're just the best things in the world. And, like, and I, I loved, um, you know, it's on um, in uh, Cosmos, Neil deGrasse Tyson's version, where he says, like, you know, if uh, and, it's, and it is obviously, you know, Carl Sagan's words, but it's like if a if a if a if a, a microscopic alien life form came to Earth, then they would assume that the Earth belongs to the tardigrades because they are so successful mm. <laughs> in, in what they do. <laughs> like they they they'd just be like, "That's theirs. That it's their, their planet." Don't know what these massive things are. They're they're a bit dozy. Those human things. But there's, these there's guys are on point. Well, <laughs> like. There's only six hundred million of million of them under twenty five on this subcontinent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amazing, sweet. What a great little story. Checking out the hardiness of tardigrades. Unfortunately, I wanted to say no tardigrades were hurt in this process, but clearly mm. that's just simply not true. I know, but we can still change the name to hardigrades. Do tardigrades have a soul? Ooh. Chris, that's what I want to know. Well, I'm going to ponder that. They've got six feet, so I guess they've got six souls. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sitting through another Space News Week. It's an absolute pleasure, an absolute pleasure, and it's a great way to spend some of my 10-day quarantine. Glad to have you back in England, old Bean. It's fab to be back. Yeah, I'm really either. good to be back in the on the uh, on old Blatty. So yeah, it's it's nice. I, I, yeah. I'll, I'll be missing I'll be missing my Norway life. It's been fab, but yeah, I'm I'm back in the uh, back in back in the pool. Back in the pool, going down the cavern club, watching pop bands. It's pretty soon, much all no I do. Doubt. Yeah, and then go and watch football. Yeah. <laughs> like all scousers. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, actually, I should just quickly check what the scores are because we're recording this at a very inconvenient time for a Liv- for an actual Liverpool fan. Oh. It's uh, it turns out that Liverpool have it's two 0 to Liverpool. Liverpool make the top four. Hmm. How's Evan doing? Uh, 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 they lost five nil. <laughs> <laughs> that's my team oh well done Reg um, right uh, so uh, Chris if people have enjoyed the podcast what, what, where, where should they go I if I was if I was somebody who enjoyed it I would probably go to interplanetary.org.uk oh brilliant and there you can find links out to all the different providers but you can also find a link to uh www.patreon.com forward slash interplanetary if you want to join us on the discord some of the discordians have become or spodcats as they're officially called yes have become co-hosts as well in their time so that's uh yeah so it's it's a good place to be and we have lots of fun there again thanks very much chris Cheers, Matthew. Enjoy your quarantine. I will. And at this point, I'm going. I'm going to say bye, bye, Spice Podcast. Spice Podcast. Spice Podcast. Spice Podcast.